Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Thalman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from our slightly different perspective. And today we have Tannen's, uh, Tannen's man and, uh, of all things tint and uh, co-create and creative director, uh, Johnny Ciotti. Johnny, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks, Scott. Cool. cool. Johnny's got a new mic, so he's going to, again, everybody's going to sound better than me, but we'll, we'll see how this goes. And this is a this is a test run with the new new equipment, and if this works, hopefully mine will be better next time. So that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, Johnny. you know, it's 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 interesting with the technology because um, it's like we're constantly trying to to make things or elevate things, but then you know the applications and the developers that are doing uh, the, the the other side of this stuff, the non production, but the the nuts and bolts of it, they're they're actively trying to make it just more and more simple, and by doing that, they make it harder to. <laughs> make it higher quality they're like no we're making it easier well you can use it with your phone and i'm like but i can't do anything with my phone it's not a professional tool right but uh you know it but is it is what it works but no yeah, one so works being professional yeah so that that'll do the job you know speaking it's funny speaking of being of making things more difficult and more interesting today i, I think i wanted to talk about john and i truth full disclosure we, we we chat up about kind of what we want to talk about on these things but a lot of times it goes free form but we want to talk about something today that's a little different. Um, we have been talking a lot lately amongst ourselves about, you know, what what constitutes a blackwater or botanical style aquarium, what the different elements are, um, what makes them different than a quote unquote conventional aquarium. And uh, Jenny, I want to I want to talk with you about that today to start off. And I w- there was something you said in our conversation that really hit me. Um, you were talking about what you're seeing is it, it, we're, we're not fearful, but we're wondering if like people are going to look at Blackwater or botanical style aquariums as the next planted tank. Could you, can you kind of explain that to me? There's a certain trepidation you had about that. And I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a, it's just a, it's a type of thinking in, in what we're trying to facilitate, or at least one of my goals or the intentions here is to, um, get a different kind of thinking happening and to have um, people really explore what it is that intrigues them um, to unearth all those little things and to have agency over their, their own thinking. And I'm not saying like abandon all hive mind and, and let's not work as a community, but you know, what, what makes you tick and to have your own thoughts and, some of this, um, you know, this, this conversation spurred from, uh, you know, me saying things, uh, you know, in, in different outlets or even here directly in the podcast, or you say something in the podcast, and then I'll see that, that catch fire and, and go to, yeah, it becomes very amplified and, and that spreads throughout whatever other outlets are out there, you know, uh, yeah. Instagram or some sort of social feed and, right. I'm like, you know, are, did you always feel that way? And it wasn't until someone showed you what was going on that, that you're on it or, you know, are, are you really not thinking it all the way through? And so I'm not, I'm not putting anybody in blast and I'm definitely not being critical to that degree to where, you know, I'm, I'm angry at someone. It's right. I just really hope that you feel that way. Like, I hope that we are, truly having people look at nature differently, inviting it into their home and accepting it for what it is 
rather than just saying, oh yeah, we're down with it because somebody else is. Yeah, like it's the next style. I guess that's what you meant. Like it's the next style. Like, oh, it's Iwagumi. It's, uh, no, it's a uh, hyper detailed right. uh, uh, diorama skates. It's, it's, and that's, that gets to something that I talked about a lot lately and you and I have talked about forever is that botanical style blackwater aquariums aren't just a style of aquascaping. I think that's really an important distinction. It's a, right. I think it's more of a, it's a methodology. It's a philosophy of embracing nature in a different way. It's, right. it's embracing nature in all of its ugliness and all of its beauty and finding beauty in things that we wouldn't normally see beautiful. It's letting nature, ceding some of the control to nature, which I think makes a lot of people nervous. And I think to really appreciate that, you have to understand that. I mean, it does you, make people nervous. It, it made me nervous. It, it makes a lot of people yeah. nervous. Um, you know, but you can see it within the trends in the space. And, mm-hmm. you know, right now the trend is fine little twigs and branches, which I love fine little twigs and branches. Right. Um, but you can see that there are a tremendous amount of people emulating sort of the, the, the same styles or things that have been done um, yeah. previously seen in an aquarium. And I'm, I'm asking them, stop looking at other people's aquariums and right. start looking at nature for inspiration. Yep. And m- maybe it's fine twigs with rocks. Maybe they're, maybe you're using rocks. Maybe you're using very large pieces of wood. Maybe these pieces of wood don't have insane texture or feature. Um, you know, maybe you're using bigger slabs and pieces of bark. Um, right. you know, maybe there's just leaf litter, like please someone, uh, because if you don't, I will do it, do an aquarium completely comprised of, of leaf litter. That's, nothing, I've done that. Nothing else. I, I, no one's, I have yet to see that. Yeah. You, you know, and I think that's a good point. What you just mentioned there is, you know, when you look to nature for your prototype, as opposed to, you know, last month's tank of the month, I think the whole thing takes on a different feeling and a different vibe because, when you're mimicking something that's a structure that somebody else created, it's just a, an imitation of somebody else's structure. Whereas you're imitating nature, it embraces things like you have to think about why did this form? Why did this feature underwater form? Why did that tree fall where it is? Why are the leaves accumulating there? And when you think like that, I think it, it takes you out of that box a little bit. Yeah. And then that that's the, you know, and I, I have a whole bunch of thinking that goes behind, you know, work outside the box and this and that. And it's, it, I, I hate that. Um, yeah. Actually uh, sort of a, a little tangent here. Um, I, I swear I'll come back to it. <laughs> There's um, one of the last workshops I did, um, which I don't do them as much anymore. You know, my, my professional life has changed quite a bit, but uh, I did a Y20 AIGA Y20 design conference. And I did a, a you know, four hour workshop. And this is where you're dealing with Adobe executives and, and mm-hmm. all sorts of different people in, in creative fields and in tech. And I was so sick and tired of hearing, Oh, think, think outside the box. And I'm like, mm, capture your idea. <laughs> and yeah, absolutely think outside of the box, but thinking outside of the box doesn't mean exploding through the walls and doing all of these things and disregarding right. ceiling and, um, and not understanding the space in which you're working with, it means collect your idea outside the box and then bring it and put it in the fricking box. <laughs> exactly. And, and so confine and restraint are really what makes things beautiful. So go collect your thought and your idea and observe nature out in nature, not in somebody else's box. Right. And that's where thinking outside the box 
starts, you bring it back and you work within the things that are going to make it great. Um, you know, it's, it's like if you hand a, 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 a box of pastels to somebody and, and great paper for those pastels and, you know, you say paint a picture, or do, do whatever you're going to do. Right. If you can't come up with something beautiful with no limitation, you have every color available to you and, you know, you, you have the materials available to you. You could even say, forget the paper, just do whatever you want, draw on the walls. Okay. You have no restraint. If you can't come up with something beautiful, there's a, there's a problem. It's really when you go, here's a red pastel only. Right. Make it beautiful. <laughs> and, and you have a post-it note, make it beautiful. Right. And, you know, the, the limitation for us is the thinking. And if you're just emulating somebody else's, you know, uh, palette, then, then what's the point? Like go, go to nature and, and pull what you can from it. And that's what you can put inside your cram box. That's what you can put inside that box of pastels, bring that palette back to you, you know, to your can and, and apply it. Um, and, and I would like to see more people thinking genuinely. I agree with that. I think we've always talked about talked about being authentic to yourself or to to what it is you want to do. And I think the, the hard thing, and and this gets back to conversations again, Johnny. You and I have had this is fun. We're kind of opening up our behind the scene conversation for you guys. But we've talked a lot lately about the variety of botanical materials we have on the site. For example, I mean, I have mm-hmm. I don't I haven't lost count, but it's what fifty something different things. Five billion. And, yeah, five billion, maybe. Yeah, maybe four billion. But anyway, I, I said, Johnny, I think I should offer less stuff. It's too many choices. It's making it, you know, it's diluting it. Da 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 da. And and sometimes I that, that brings me back to I wonder if you give people too many, if we have too many things, does that create the you have the entire box of Crayolas and you, you want to use them all, or does that encourage experimentation with a few things? Because when you look at nature. You don't see every single seed pod, every single twig, every single leaf type under the sun in a given area. You'll see, you know, five or six different things or four or five different things that look generic and sort of, you know, over time. Do you think that having too much choice sometimes is a bad thing? You know, having too much choice is not a bad thing. I think exercising restraint is what's required. This is, it's discipline. It's what we talk about in art. Um, Having discipline is, is very much different than having a lack of selection um, at your disposal. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, sure. We have every quality botanical that you could possibly want to put, or we would suggest putting into an aquarium available to us, you know, on the website. Right. Absolutely pick from it, but that doesn't mean that you need to use every single one. Right. Um, you know, if you're, if you're making food, yeah, sure. You, you might have oregano, thyme, coriander, lavender, basil, bay leaf. Uh, I mean, we, we, you might just have all of these things, but you don't put them all right. in a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like it's just, right, right. Good analogy. Just, just, just don't, don't do it. Um, you put yeah. peanut butter and you put jelly in your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Th- those things work. And so maybe let's stop with a cornucopia. Maybe focus on one or two elements and, and really, really work those and find where the limitation of those elements are and appreciate them and understand them until you can expand beyond them. Yeah. And, and that's funny because when, when I first 
the tannin really started to explode, I noticed that people were doing, you know, they'd send pictures of their aquariums. And you saw pictures with, like you said, 17 different ingredients. And I was like, you know, after a while, the tanks started looking almost a lot of them started looking homogenous because right. everybody was buying a little this, a little that, a little this, a little that, throwing it in, you had a pile of stuff and, you know, look different than what we'd been seeing in years past. But on the other hand, it was like, wow, this is just starting to look like some sameness. And that's why I think when we really started doubling down on, well, look at nature. Nature doesn't have every single thing under the sun, right? That you call it a cornucopia in one place. It just isn't there. And, and to, to, you know, I understand you could do whatever you want. And I'm not saying there's rules or guidelines, but thinking about, you know, think a little more like how nature works. And I think that's the thing. If we're, we keep talking about how this is a very natural style of aquarium, nature doesn't use every ingredient at its disposal. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it, I think there are other styles of aquarium keeping that have gone down a similar path. I mean, let's, let's look at, um, you know, Dutch style planted aquarium, which which are beautiful and they're structured. It's very different. So when you're saying something supernatural, I I don't mean like, um, uh, ghost, extraterrestrial (laughs) uh, ghost. Um, yeah, I mean, um, extremely natural. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's really hard to structure it. So you can't apply the, no, I'm just going to throw it wherever that's called lazy throwing it wherever is, is lazy. Um, throwing whatever in is, is even more lazy. So it's, you know, a Dutch style aquarium is, is thought out head to toe. I mean, that, that is one of the most disciplined styles. Um, and it's very difficult because you're picking from so many different textures and colors. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it is, it is really difficult, especially with the different growth patterns. Um, of each particular plant and the timing required for trimming and nutrients and blah, 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 blah. So um, really difficult. Um, You know, I'm not saying go do a Dutch style aquarium with botanicals. I think that might look like a fruit stand. Um, It would probably a lot of reef tanks. Um, Yeah. But, and that was my next example is, is a reef aquarium. You wanted everything. I talked about this at, at Macna 20, 14. So Denver, I, this, Denver, this I is, yeah, this is yeah. new guys. I've, I've been, I've been harping about this for a long time. Um, you know, maybe, maybe just stick to one species of coral. Maybe yep. you're like, Oh, I like Pasilopora. Okay. Or I like Seriatopora hystrix. Cool. Great. Stay with just the pink one. Maybe yep. only mixing, you know, to maybe you like Stylophora. stick with that. Yeah. Or yeah, the pink one. Whatever yeah. it is stick with, stick with one or two shapes and colors and keep it really simple. It's Work hard with, for people to do that though. You know? you know, look at a color wheel, start understanding that looking at shade and tonality and, and tint and what those, those true values mean and, and color and tertiary colors and, and how things work together and don't work together and, and complementary, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and look at those things and, and really start to plan out um, what you're going to use based on your observation of how nature uses them. Right. And so you not be able to find the same exact materials that nature's throwing down, but no. we have stuff that is really good to use in an aquarium. Exactly. And I, I couldn't stress this enough. Um, you're going to get so much of a more rewarding experience, something very similar to what you would have with an Iwagumi when you plant just 
Eleocaris bellum. It's just right. little hair grass all over the place and these beautiful stones. And it makes sense. You're going to have something very similar when you're like, I only use one kind of leaf and just it's, these twigs. Yep. It, that's It's harmonious. And, um, I, you I think my, my best work was what that it way. is. Yeah. Yeah. I think the best work I've ever done with botanicals is using two or three elements and that's it. And just really using them to their, to their max and thinking about why they would be there and what they, what they're bringing to the scape and what they're, what, how that would emulate what happens in nature. I think you nailed it on that. Um, it's a super important point. Well, I hope, sorry, I had to take a drink of water. There. Hopefully, <laughs> I, I, hopefully sorry. I found it awesome. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I hope some of this resonates and I hope it doesn't turn people off. Cause I know, well, I know that our listeners know I'm snarky and I know <laughs> that they're like oh, that Johnny guy, you know, awareness. <laughs> and it, it really, it comes from a place of like, um, true love. Like I really do love the hell out of our listeners. I love the people that come to the site, yeah. um, you know, and, and participate with us regardless of whether or not they're a customer. Um, I love the, the community that we've created. Um, and I'm, I'm going to largely credit you and, and myself to well, actually creating that, that community, but we found our flock. Yeah. Right. And um, I want them to extract the most from it. And so I say it from a place of like, as a guy that's played with more botanicals than most people, um, and done more aquariums than most people, you're going to get the, the most rewarding experience from actually diving deep into this thing and really trying in a different way. You know, I, I hope that someone, and I'm not trying to sell more leaves. It's, I hope that someone goes on the site and orders, you know, five, you know, uh, packages of, of one specific leaf and uses yeah. them all like you uses yeah, them all in one tank so, yeah one tank um maybe don't introduce them all at the same time if it's super established but you know over time get them in there and That's, i would love to see that the the very best tank i ever did you remember this one it was that 60p that doesn't happen uh <laughs> <laughs> see snarky the best tank I ever did was, was my all leaf litter tank for uh, uh, green neon Tetris. That was like, to me, that's the best botanical tank I've ever done. So good. And, and I don't think you ever had leaves. the fish either. Never, never. And, and they had two spawning incidents. And, and, and I've talked about that before. Nature provides. And, and the thing is, I think as aquarists, we're so, we're so attuned or so, so acculturated to having to control everything. It gets mm -hmm. back to that control thing again. You know, we don't realize that what we're doing in the most natural way emulates uh, emulates what happens in nature. When leaves enter, you know, tropical streams and other bodies of water, what happens? Fungal colonization occurs. Biofilms grow. The stuff starts breaking down. Microcrustaceans yep. are recruited. All these food sources happen. All these things happen. There's a dynamic habitat that's created that can sort of self-regulate. And I think more people need to experiment with that. I think that's a really important thing. It's not just a look, it's a, it's a function. And, and that's, a, that's a huge mental shift that I think people need to make. And it's beautiful and elegant in its own way. And that's, that is a difficult one. If you can get to the point of being comfortable with things not going your way, you've yeah. won at more things than aquarium. Yep. I mean, you, you, you really have 
<laughs> like uh, unlocked a, a level there of enjoyment that yeah. um you know that that's just a that's a whole nother thing but well, if we can get them to start with aquariums first then yeah then great very good and, and that is it letting go a little bit and and that's been the the most interesting thing to me is we have so many uh, customers and so many members of our community that come from other aquarium disciplines that it's hard for some people to let go of what they've been doing you know crystal clear water pristine sand uh all sorts of uh of, of discipline about adding things and moving stuff around and trimming and siphoning things out it's a very different approach and it's not for the sake of being lazy or sloppy it's for the sake of, of letting nature do what it's done for eons and that's just a really hard thing for a lot of people to grasp and i I think that's the single hardest mental shift people have to make with blackwater botanical style aquariums is, you know, yes, it looks different, but it's about the function. The look just comes with the function. And I think that's just, is, you know, and I will have, it'll get to you. I'll have some questions later on for you as I usually do, Johnny. And, and some of these questions will bring up topics similar to that. And you'll see sure. that there's in, in the community, people are starting to have these questions and conversations with themselves and I think that's very interesting. We're reaching a sort of a maturity level within our community of the practice of botanical style. Maturation is a huge part of it. I, I think um, most of the greatest things in life come from maturation and distillation. And I'm not talking about just whiskey. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it's most things um, only get better or things worth keeping, uh, get, get better with time yeah. and, and allowing them to be what they are. I think if people struggle with the idea of, of allowing nature to be what it is, um, within, you know, within our homes, maybe, maybe for the other side, and you'll learn to accept it is creating it into a competition. The person that loves nature more leaves it alone the most. Yeah. Walk away. And, and, you know, it's instead of trying to control the hell out of this thing, you know, just let it be and, and see who loves nature most, right. like right. really, really embrace it. Um, you know, are we doing it because it looks cool to people or are we doing it because we truly enjoy what it is and we find it fascinating? Well, that the other thing too, is what's the rush? See, I think that's the other thing with, with social media and aquascaping contests and so forth is so much emphasis has been placed on the finished product, you know, the beautiful picture that you can share on, on, on the gram or, you know, wherever <laughs> that right. we, we neglect to talk about the, I mean, we do here, but it, it, as a whole, we neglect to talk about the fact that this is a long game. Um, an aquarium, a botanical style aquarium doesn't, I mean, it looks nice when you set it up, but it doesn't really come into its own for months. It's not five days in, it's not 50 days in, it's, four or five, six, seven, eight months a year. That's when it yeah. really starts looking cool because you've allowed nature to take over and do some things. Sure, you're doing your maintenance and so forth, but once nature puts its touch on stuff, that's when it really gets magical to me. And I think preaching patience and you know that, that, that discipline you have from keeping your hands off, like you said, that's, that's a really, that's a primal lesson that we have here. And it's a hard one for a lot of people to learn too. They want it why isn't it looking like an agapo on day one yeah it's 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 not it's not going to and there's there's some things that you will find little little trinkets um or rewards um that that don't happen on day one and and they 
they just start to happen when, when you think you're noticing them. Um, but, but really not until a long time in, um, one of them, we talked about it recently, George Farmer asked a question and, uh, it was, you know, piggybacking from a, a, a you know, listener's question. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about, you know, leaves being my favorite part of the aquascaping experience. And right. I, I went off into the esoteric and, um, was talking about the structure and, and the breakdown of a leaf. And that's like the first real part of it. There's, there's other things to, you know, this style, I guess, well, you know, whatever of aquarium that happen far after that. It's when you're adding top off water mm-hmm. and it kicks up that plume yeah. and you're decomposed leaves like, and bits and pieces, it's decomposed leaves and bits and pieces and the fish go nuts. Yep. Like just, just ape shit, yeah. like just totally bonkers. And the fish won't go nuts for like that for any food that you put in the aquarium. Yeah. Like nothing. I don't care if it's what food it is, the best food. Right. Don't do anything comparatively speaking to that. Watching your Cory cats. Yeah. Go berserk. Just, yeah. Just go berserk. Yeah. You know, and, and I know people that are into corridors. They're <laughs> really passionate about these fish. And I'm like, if you don't have this crap all over the bottom of your tank, do you really love that Cory cat? <laughs> <laughs> you must have decomposition to love your Cory cat. Bad Cory cat. <laughs> really bad cat. <laughs> you know yeah so you know it's it's things like that when you find it you know the the action is beautiful more so than just owning the thing well this is funny because since we're in this like true philosophy and confessional mode you know johnny was instrumental in in really pushing me to not only find out discover what really tannin is all about to really push that but but when we were doing some product development particularly tint, which has proven to be really popular. And I credit Johnny for that because I, you know, when you talk to me about doing, you know, crushed botanicals in a, in a, in a sachet, I was like, nah, that's just a, it's a hack. And it was really one of those things where I started thinking, well, it's just, it's just going to play into impatience of people. And the reality was it doesn't, it actually, it actually facilitates patience. It actually creates other opportunities to enjoy the stuff but it took me a while to get my head around that i mean you've been you were after me to do that for what well over a year before we finally said okay talk to my suppliers overseas and let's do something yeah and you know and it, it's, a, it's a funny one how that works though it is and it's proven so popular i'm thinking did i did i just fuck up and my whole community is like yeah scott we want tint now <laughs> you know we don't care to wait we want we want the you know does it contrary or what's what's what what do you know you know it, it, it for me <clears throat> it uh, it's a reminder and so my favorite way of using shade and we've talked about maybe i hopefully we've talked about this before on the podcast but my favorite way of of using shade is um allowing the sachets to soak up in my top off water or yeah. makeup water and that is cool to me because you're not one diluting, you're keeping it a little bit more consistent and stable. Right. And, and I'm not too worried about that. Sometimes it gets a little bit darker. Sometimes it gets a little bit yeah, lighter. It's not, it's keeping it in, in a range. And, right. um, you know, I, I really, really like to add it like that, but it's also when I do that, it's a, it's a reminder that not in a closed loop. So out in a true genuine ecosystem, 
the the tannins impart into the water and they come from other sources, not only in the locale that you're observing the leaves in. And so right. there's life before and after the segment of stream that you're observing. Exactly. Soil and, and other things right. downstream. Exactly. There's so many things, there's, there's things above and below. And so when I aquascape an aquarium now, I'm not just observing the environment at face value. I'm, I'm looking at it and going, what's upstream, what's downstream, you know, what's 50 yards in what's 50 yards out what's above what's below and, and really taking it all in understanding how the flow works um, where the food sources are coming from um, is there, you know, marginal riparian vegetation is there, there epiphytes up above or are we in a cloud forest or we, you know, down in the lowlands is it 90 degrees? Is it, what, what is it? And all of those things help me paint a picture for the thing that I'm doing. And when you keep, your periphery open and willing to accept other things than what you're doing at face value, something kind of magical happens, at least for me. And, and I get more gratification from it. I think other people would as well. And those practices are like the actual practice of doing it that translates over into your life. You realize that something had to get it here. It's not, it's not the idea of fast food coming from a window. You know, yeah. it's it yeah. had to get there. Well, I, um, and, and you know me, I hate shortcuts, but I realized it's not a shortcut. It's a facilitator, no. <laughs> and that's it's a difference. Yeah. Facilitator slash catalyst. It's a catalyst. really well. Is does that is that my my neighborhood making the horns? Your neighbor. That was your neighborhood. Um, you know, and then that kind of segues into you know people have asked us like, well, what are the next things you're coming up with guys? What's, what's tannins? What, how are things going to evolve for you? What product wise? And without getting overly specific in products, I could tell you, and Johnny could certainly go into detail too, is that we're going to look at things and, and we're going to be offering things that help you create the entire environment, not just stuff to make the tank look good, but to make the stuff, the tank function differently to facilitate right. that. And I think people have asked us, you know, what do we think the next trend in, in botanical style aquariums? And I hate the word trend, but what is the next phase? And I think the next phase is really about function. It's about making the tank function like a more natural ecosystem. And I, I think that's a super important thing. And I think you're going to see a lot of that. And uh, you, you have any thoughts on that, Johnny? Am I, I, I mean, I, I absolutely agree. Um, I, I think within our space and actually this is, I feel like I didn't go deep enough. And with our previous conversation with George and there were questions asked about where, where do you see aquascaping going? Right. And I covered it, you know, kind of in a, <laughs> like a pessimistic sort of way of, <laughs> like, you know, I, I see further segregation and these like little micro pockets and, but within those pockets and those those niches um you know i i think that there's going to be really just a deeper dive into those and i, and I might have alluded to that and i think it's going to become very very rich in there and specifically within what we do with aquariums and the this i don't even i don't even know what to call it anymore it's not really a style but what we do with aquariums um i think they're going to get more and more real yeah. I think they're going to get more genuine. I think they're going to become more functional. I think the um, functional aesthetics thing that we say is, is really 
very accurate. Yeah, I, I see a lot more of that. And I know for certain that there will be more of that and it will become more accessible. Um, and it's going to be up to the, to the people and how they're going to use that, you know, with the, um, say, the, the, the substrates yeah. that we're working on, they're, they're sedimented substrates, you know, those are, those are wild. They're, they're crazy cool to work with. Um, I have, uh, you know, this beta Hendra layout here that nobody has seen. They've seen the beta, yep. um, using our soils and using their soil for a good period of time now. And, and, you know, last phase of testing, um, I, I've never had a better aesthetic, uh, for a more natural aquarium and I've never seen anything function as well. Yeah. Uh, it's, it really hits everything right on the nose. And so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the, the outcome of that stuff. And I know people are going to, you're going to get emails and we're going to see it real soon. Be, Where's the stuff? Where's the stuff? right. Yeah, we get it. Yeah. We get it all. And it's coming guys. You know, we're really working on the finals, but yeah, you know, it, it's coming. Uh, Scott though, has to hand make. It's literally stuff. handmade. I, I, yeah. It's, it's crafted. What do we call it? Like craft. It's like, uh, yeah it's craft made substrate handcrafted substrate um, yeah not mass produced it's made by hand and we're gonna have ultimately when we round out our line i think we're gonna have five or six different varieties even for brackish tanks we have things that from a from a from a viewpoint from a from a uh, an angle that i think substrate manufacturers haven't played with before at least not for aquariums so they're all going to be different and i think the thing that I that we're going to spend a lot of time, and Johnny knows there's a lot of time educating over the in the fall when when things start really picking up in the hobby. We spend a lot of time educating everybody, producing content, videos, discussions, podcasts, mm-hmm. all this stuff about how this stuff is going to work and how the, what the expectations are and how this stuff is so different than what you've worked with before. Because I know I'm going to get five or six emails after we launch this stuff. I put this stuff in my tank and the water was cloudy. Da da da. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, of course, not. you know, that's, 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 that's part of that is part of what goes with the territory, but the rest of it is no, no, no. We need to, we need to let you understand how these things are applied, what they do and what nature looks like. So there's a lot, there's a lot, it's a lot more than just unleashing substrates out on the world and saying, yeah, these are, these are cool. Um, Absolutely. It's not the next powder there. sand or, you know, <laughs> we're not, no, it's not. We're going to have to show nature. We're going to have to show aquarium using nature and um and it's going to be a process um i think all of us um not just tannin but uh you know the community yeah will learn a lot from it so um i'm happy that we're doing it it's going to be going to be exciting it's well worth the wait yeah i think this year is going to be a year of uh, a lot of experimentation for everybody um not just for us but for the community i think that's going to be a lot of fun every seeing what people do with this stuff and um you know, what's neat is even the questions we get, and this is my segue into the questions for Johnny. Uh, even the emails I get from people are showing a greater understanding or a greater expectation that nature is going to do something. And um, here's one I got today. Uh, Johnny, I want to run this one by you. Uh, ready? So sure. this is from Alan. And Alan asks, he said, hey, guys, I want to get your take on the issue of biological activity regarding botanicals in a tank, namely the growing of biofilm and breaking down, i.e. decomposition. So I have a shrimp tank that has been going for almost a year now. The problem seems to be that biological activity seems to be kind of low, i.e. there doesn't seem to be much algae or biofilm growing. The driftwood Mm. looks sparkling clean and the Indian almond leaves I put in break down really slowly. 
like three plus months before they start showing holes. And the shrimp don't seem to be grazing on them. Contrary to, contrary, uh, to some other tanks that I had in the past where the leaves would break down after about a month, I don't dose fertilizers and the nitrates are always zero and some of the plants are stunted and yellowing. Perhaps the culprit is a wad of moss I have that seems to be growing quickly, so maybe sucking up all the nutrients. Or because the pH is low uh, and is thus nat naturally antibacterial, which I, I disagree with that, but uh, we can come back to that. Yeah. Anyway, do you have suggestions on what I can do to help get these botanicals to grow by a film and break down so that they can act as a food source for the shrimp? Um, so what do you think? I, I mean, good one, huh? There, there, that's, that's actually a, a really good one. I don't think it's going to be a simple answer. Um, one of the things that I was going to, you know, uh, ask back to the, the listener is, you know, is, is there a culprit that's, that maybe is absorbing um, too much of any one thing in there um, and, you know, exporting or holding on to the elements that might be needed? Um, yep. it, it could be a couple of things. It could be either the moss is, is really taking off and it's, it's absorbing that stuff from the water column uh, sure. and it's locked up into the fibers of that moss. Uh, or are you using chemical filtration? Uh, yeah. You know, if you're using any sort of chemical filtration, it might be removing, um, you know, some valuable tannic and humic substances that, that would be in the water. Um, and uh, it could be, be just cleaning up stuff too I, well. I, and I think you, you hit it on the head with clean. See, my, my emphasis, my focus would be like, I think, you know, at the risk of oversimplifying it, I think that the lack of nutrients in the system may be the culprit because yes, you're not going to see high levels of nitrate and phosphate in a well-managed aquarium, botanical or otherwise, at least that's my theory. It's always been that way. I think there's a lot going on. I wonder if this tank is just too clean, if you know what I mean. You know, it goes back to the Guinea Corals days. And we had, remember, we used to have the raceways, Johnny, and, and yeah, the corals yep. were so washed out because we kept Jake so Adam damn come in and, yeah. and Jake up. came in and, yeah, Jake came in and said, dude, muck this shit up. <laughs> Get yeah. stuff in there, feed. And I think I, that may be the problem here. It's a I, holistic kind of thing, right? Definitely. I, I agree. It could be a holistic thing. Um, the other one that, you know, not, not to just sell only our stuff. Um, we have a couple of things that I think will be great for shrimp keepers as well in the future. One are going to be sedimented substrate, um, you know, getting something a little bit muckier in the bottom and something that isn't as perfectly uniform in, in size and shape, which um, right. will allow some impaction. I know it, it sounds totally backwards, but um, allowing some of that to settle in, um, you know, you're going to see pockets of that, that growth. Um, you know, that's one, I, we are also working on a product that will be able to be added into the water column, um, without divulging too much on this, this particular product. Um, it will, uh, it will foster an environment that will promote a better culture into it. Um, and yep. I, I think you're going to see more beneficial growth that way. And just because you're not seeing it doesn't mean it also isn't there, um, the, the shrimp not grazing on the things that that may be a little bit of an indicator, but again, I think your system might be a little bit too clean. And my suggestion yeah. would be remove, um, remove maybe the chemical filtration, see where that goes. Um, and only do one correction at a time, you know, vehicle doesn't, uh, or your vehicle has an issue. It's not starting. You don't replace everything at once. Cause then you'll never know what the problem was. Um, the other thing that I would do is maybe 
allow it to go a little bit longer before you're doing a water change and see when it starts to build. If it's not building up, yeah, do a water change. Yeah. I you know, if there's not a problem, I, you know, just leave it alone. Yeah. I, I think this is another case of, and I know shrimp keepers are like, I, I maybe I'm wrong, but my understanding of shrimp keepers, because I'm not, you, you've kept more shrimp than I have. They're kind of anal about maintenance, right? A lot of these guys, and then maybe they're overdoing it a little bit. Do you think they, they, they can be? And it depends on <clears throat> on the shrimp and <clears throat> when you're getting into some of the neocardinia stuff, and and worried about you know you've line bred the shrimp for a very long time, and and you're worried about the the skeleton uh, or the exoskeleton molting and stuff, molting and and having problems. And I think a lot of those are also people just chasing numbers. Um, I'll get flamed for this, but you know I, I've I've kept all the shrimp way before shrimp keeping was a shrimp thing or it was yep. a hobby thing and I didn't run into the same issues. So I actually, I would say it's more on the breeder and it's a genetic issue. Um, and you need to, to work from the source again. So if you really want, you know, your, your cool King Kong shrimp start from scratch and, and then get to it. Um, you know, uh, breeding the, the easy way, doesn't work real well. Um, I mean, you can look at our, our food chain for that one, but, uh, right. Anyway, I digress. Um, yeah, great, great question. Uh, I hope to see a follow-up response on this yeah, one. It's not a good, it's not a good one because I think it, what it also to me, what makes me feel good about that question is it shows an awareness to like, Oh, there's supposed to be bio. Yeah. There's supposed to be fungal growth. I find that really, really interesting. I, um, I find that fascinating because I think, it, that that's not the first time I've heard questions like that. You know, it used to be, why is this right. stuff breaking now? What's it doing? Now it's like, oh, I'm not getting dark enough color. I'm not <laughs> getting enough biofilm. My tank doesn't look broken in like yours and Johnny's. To, you know, yeah. I think those are fascinating to me. Um, I, I find that fascinating. Uh, got another one for you, Johnny. You're going to like this one. Sure. I am, this is from, from Chris in Darwin, Australia. And Chris says, okay. I am in the process of planning a wild beta aquarium. Can you? Oh, awesome. Yeah. I, I know the, botan unfortunately, I cannot get the botanicals from you. This is self-serving, but she, you, she can't get the botanicals from us because we can't ship to Australia because of the, the country's correct sure. quarantine process. But she says, you know, I'm going to use some locally collected materials, leaves and so forth to, to get the look. What would you recommend as a great subject for a natural biotope beta aquarium? I know you have opinions on this. Difficult, difficult question to answer only because I know we think of betas as like, oh, they all come from the same thing. But if you look at betas that come from like the Kalamaton or like Borneo, mm -hmm. um, their environment might be uh, like slightly more clear water, faster moving stream, or all the way into like stagnant pH four peat swamp, you know? Right. So, they're so diverse that I almost couldn't even answer that question. It, the range is, I mean, it's almost like asking, I'm, I want to have a fish aquarium. It's, it's so, so vast. That being said, I would, I would look at the natural sources and I am sure anybody that has found us and is asking this question has the ability to find the answer um, for what they should be doing on their own. Um, they're already in the right place. So just dig a little bit further and um, look for some inspiration in nature. Um, 
you know, there, there are some great places that, have, that you could find photographed uh, on the internet Yep. and, um, and just start looking for adjacent things that might not be beta specific, but just looking at the, the geography of the region and, um, and ask away, ask away, ask away. You might be able to find a forum or a thread or somewhere on the internet that, that somebody that lives there, they might be able to shoot some pictures for you. Um, but uh, find the species that you're, you're really passionate about and then go after that one region and, and just start there. I know that you're going to do an excellent job with it. Yeah, good, good. Another good question. Here's, a, here's another one you, I think you'll like. Uh, this is from Hans in Leipzig, Germany. And awesome. Hans asks, he said, what do you think is the ideal amount of flow in a botanical style aquarium? I concern myself, and I think he means I'm concerned with, I concern myself with too much material being distributed into the water column. And I don't want a messy looking tank, but I do understand that it is important to let this stuff break down in the aquarium. Do you have any thoughts on this? I, I like that question. That's a good one. We get that a lot, actually. It, it is a complicated one. Um, if for some reason I, I lose you here in a second, I just realized that my phone's on 2%. So oh. <laughs> That's not I swear I'll answer this. Um, but uh I feel as though, you know, you should have adequate filtration for proper biological. Um, by proper biological, I mean enough to maintain the levels of nitrate, nitrite, and ammonia at zero. Um, flow should revolve around the fish and what the fish is accustomed to. Yep. And I don't think it's the amount of flow. I think it's the quality of flow. So, you know, laminar flow versus other types and having wide dispersion versus having something that's more on the surface or something that's, you know, rippling around at the bottom. Um, you know, those, those kind of things. Um, I can hear your keyboard so well. No, I, I'm tapping cause I'm looking this up because I had an article on this. Anyway, I, I, this and my microphone like, works. The, I'm like, the mic, my article? I'm literally uh, trying to find my article I wrote on this very topic and I can't find it. Yeah. I think, I think it's, you know, start looking at, um, the quality of flows and the, the environment that you're creating maybe use rocks or a piece of wood um, strategically placed or, you know, yeah. Um, You know, create, um, you know, the correct environment by maybe just moving the outlet or inlet of your, um, you know, your aquarium pipes. Um, That's why I love these things because you can move them around kind of any which way. Yeah. You know, it's almost impossible to have too much unless the fish really don't like it. Right. And quite frankly, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of material floating through the water column. Nothing I, at all. I, I think, quite honestly, if you look at all those underwater videos and the photos by it, like Ivan Mikolji and Mike Tukinardi when he takes those pictures and Ty. Yep. Uh, uh, by the way, I was just talking to Ty the other day, so we'll, we'll, we'll have to have awesome. Ty back on again. Um, you, you, there's always stuff in the water. If you look at those pictures, water is not crystal clear, so there's always something. So I know that's, again, that's a, yeah. that's a poor answer in that I'm saying, yeah, don't worry about it. But there is sort of a mental shift you can make to having a little bit of stuff in the water. And truth uh, be told, I, I kick up a little bit of stuff every time I go to take photos. Um, oh, do you? So, oh, yeah, that? absolutely. Just, uh, um, so one, I, I love crystal clear glass. Right. Um, the yeah, glass needs to be clear. And, and I think Johnny just died. <laughs> I think, his, or his, that is his phone just died. So we had the perfect, uh, we had the perfect answer to the question there going. But I think uh, Johnny was saying he likes a lot of a lot of stuff. He doesn't mind stuff in the water column, but he likes the glass very clean uh, when uh, uh, he's taking photos. 
And I think that's probably it for our little guest session with Johnny today because his phone, his phone crapped out. Um, so we're just going to have to cut that one off. But we're going to have another one uh, real soon with Johnny and I. We'll answer some more of your questions and maybe discuss some rather uh, philosophical and esoteric ideas and so forth. But uh, in the meantime, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. Stay tuned for some exciting stuff. Uh, one little vaguely commercial thing I might mention. A lot of you asked about leaves and you've been wondering when we're going to have leaves back in stock. They are now back in stock. Um, we finally received our first shipment. Right. There he is. Hey. hey you there. Yeah, technical difficulties always uh, always take. What we're going to do, guys, is we're kind of finishing up that last podcast. So we're, this is like a little addendum that we're hopefully we'll edit seamlessly into the uh, the first episode. But uh, probably not. But we'll probably, try. Probably, yeah. With my skills, it's almost guaranteed. But you know what? Let's let's uh, let's go on. So we were just talking about uh, Johnny things in the water. If you remember the, the well, yeah. The, so Hans from Germany um, yeah. had asked a great question. We were talking about um, sort of uh, you know particulate in the water column. Yeah. Um, I, I think we both agreed that it, it, embrace it to a certain degree, check out different different styles of flow. I, I think the the area that I kind of had segued to um, at the end there was I, I actually prefer a little bit of, um, you know, the sediment being kicked up or some sort of detritus or, or particulate in the water column uh, to a degree when I'm photographing. And I actually learned this. Um, so my aquariums were always cleaner and clearer than Scott's aquariums. And I would go over to Scott's yeah. to shoot a picture. You've heard this a ton of times and I would re-clean the glass, etc. Yeah. Well, there was a unique quality that a lot of Scott's tanks had because he just, he embraced, um, you know, the, the true composition yeah. more so than I, even I did. Yeah. And, um, there was always a little bit of, of, of something going on in the water column. And I just adored those pictures. I was like, I love this. I love the aesthetic here. And so now, um, you know, in my own personal aquariums, uh, I'll stir up a little bit of something after I get a few clear shots and I'm very comfortable with the fish and everything is good. Um, I'll either turkey based or, uh, you know, kick something up or, or, or whatever to add a little atmosphere in. And so this is a, a common trick in, um, again, many of you, so you know my reference points, um, know that, you know, I'm a creative director, but uh, also worked in commercial photography and cinematography. And we would often implement a thing called like a, a hazer. And uh, this is adding a very small amount of atmosphere or like a, a smoke, something you'd see like a skating rink um, into uh, the environment in which we would be shooting an image. And this uh, adds... Uh, not only a, a level of depth to the image, it, um, it softens certain areas. Uh, it, it lowers the contrast and um, it adds again, a quality to the atmosphere that um, it just gives you the cinematic look. And, and when I shoot an aquarium now, I expect it to look natural and by natural, it should have something in the water. It just feels right. It feels real. So um you know, that's, uh, that's something that I do. And, uh, I'm, I'm grateful to have uh, enough of that particulate now, uh, accumulating at the bottom of the aquariums that, uh, I've got a, an abundant supply. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what it's about. It's a holistic system. Like we said, well, you know, I'm going right. to slip in one last question. Cause this one's, this is probably possibly my favorite one of the day. This is from Christian in New Brumfields, Texas. And Christian says, Hey guys, love, 
reading your articles and listening to your podcasts. You've given me a lot of crazy ideas, and so I'm not so crazy. One of the things you've talked about is modeling systems after temporal pools and and uh, ephemeral habitats. What do you think? Does every aquarium need to have a filter? I, I love this question. That's a oh, question. my. Isn't that an I, awesome question? I, I love this question. I'm loving this one. Let's go with it. Let's see what you, you know. So I think this question will become also the next podcast. So great place yeah. to touch on it now. Um, it's funny because I almost brought this one up and it's an area that I really want to talk about is, does every aquarium need a filter? Um, yeah. the, there's, the short answer is no. Um, so depending on the style of aquarium and depending on how you're maintaining it and what lives in the aquarium absolutely there's no no filter necessary for instance you can look on my instagram feed and there is a tank that i post sometimes um it's granted it's a planted aquarium um but i did it this way to prove a point people are like you cannot keep utricularia gramnifolia in all of these different types of environments and they listed them out and i was like baloney um so i i grew you know a super healthy aquarium, um, you know, planted aquarium style, planted aquarium, um, you know, with no filter and there's, there's fish in it. There's no filter. There's three inches of water. Um, it, it's everything that you said couldn't be done. And I was like, no, yeah. absolutely. It can be done if you observe. And when it comes to black water, we have an aquarium now that is transitioning over to no filter. Um, yeah. Hendra layout full of botanicals. Um, but it has started with a significant amount of water. You know, this is a 25 centimeter cube filled to the top. Mm. Um, we've been lowering the water. We have been removing the filters um, and we have been adding marginal vegetation. And so this riparian vegetation uh, along with the botanicals, I think it's gonna be a really interesting layout. Um, and the process has been very exciting. Uh, you know, it, it hasn't been smoothed out to the point to where I would say, hey, this is the way to do it. Right. Um, so we didn't, we didn't show all of those things, but, but it's, it's soon to be revealed. It's kind of like that, that urban agapo thing I keep talking about. Yeah, I urban mean, agapo. My, my favorite tanks that I'm playing with lately are these urban agapo tanks. And I did this with my killifish tank. It was uh, uh, Nothalibius campo grande or Nothalibius minimus campo grande, a fish from Brazil an annual killifish that lives in like little muddy streams that dry up. And I put them in my little Varzea uh, setup with the, with Acaros and uh, just a little bit of terrestrial grass and, and mud. Uh, you know, one of our substrates that we, that we are coming out with. And I, I, it's never had a filter and I had an entire population of those fish laying eggs and breeding and growing up in there. So I, I'm very excited. People, people didn't have, filters for centuries before you know and kept fish and it's just about technique but with these types of aquariums i think there's so much more that we can do with them um really embracing like you said that holistic environment with the plants and the uh, repairing vegetation and so forth there's, a, there's a, a lot that goes on there and i think that's opens up the possibilities of replicating some really unusual habitats um, yep i i agree and i, d I don't think the biological in, in the, the aquariums that we do have to be in the filter. I think no. a lot that's going on in the aquarium and in filterless doesn't always necessarily mean um, lack of water circulation or movement. Now you right. could have 
no filter with maybe a power head or a water mover of some sort in it, or just aeration, uh, you could be running, uh, you know, a bubbler, like, a you know, just oxygen running into the tank or just ambient air running into the tank. Yep. Um, and that will create circulation. Um, so it's more, what does the fish need? And then, you know, extrapolate that. So it's like, okay, cool. Is it a, appropriate to have no circulation right. um, for the well-being of the animals? Uh, aside from that, the botanicals aren't going to care either way. So, um, you know, I, I would do what makes sense. Um, but having a filter, I don't think is required. And if anything, I've proven multiple times now it's not. Yeah. So, yeah, no, no filter required. You know, I, I think, it's, again, that it's busting another sort of a myth, a modern myth. I mean, people knew this for centuries before we played with this stuff. But, you know, lately it's all about, oh, you've got to have technology. You've got to have this. You've got to do that. And you don't have to. You can create perfectly interesting environments that are very successful by simply allowing natural processes to happen. That's kind of what we talked about at the beginning of the of like part one of this podcast, where yeah. it's having faith in seeding some of that effort to nature. And I agree, this can make a subject of a great, uh, a whole great episode we'll, we'll do next. But technology is not necessary to enjoy nature. No, absolutely not. In fact, in fact, it's probably in some cases, it's probably a detriment. You know, yeah. it, it, it impedes the, that ability to do that. And, you know, and also technique is not always necessary to enjoy nature. You know, having a high level of technique sometimes sometimes is limiting. And um, I find that fascinating. Uh, as, as do I. Um, I couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe uh, if, if you've got the time now, um, uh, if you unfortunately have an abundance of time on your hands at this moment, <laughs> um, you know, unplug a little bit further and um, you're, you're halfway there from disconnecting, um, you know, maybe, maybe unplug a, a little bit more and, and distance yourself, uh, you know, more than just socially and um, uh, see what it feels like to, to be in nature a little bit. And uh, whether that's in your home or out of it and, um, you know, roll with that. Great advice. I think that's important. I think people, people need to do that. And I think we need to, there's so many ways to experience an aquarium. And I think that's the beauty of what we're doing. I think if nothing else we've accomplished with Tannen in, in, in our journey so far, it's we're kind of giving people, I don't know, the hair cover they need to, to, to face the music with their friends and, call it, and when they're trying something different. I think because all you have to do is look to nature and there's an answer. There's a support system yep. in nature. It's been doing it for eons. And uh, just because, Everybody at the local fish club says, no, you have to have a sponge filter at a minimum, or you have to do this, or you have to do that. No, you, you really don't. Um, there's lots of different ways to do things. And plenty of people keep killifish and betas in, in tanks with no filters. This is no different. It's just you're keeping a little ecosystem. It's really nothing that unusual when you think about it. Yet, that kind of makes it unusual because it's contrary to what we have been brought up to believe. And I find that you know, to be something that's really an interesting topic that we'll definitely cover more. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyhow, what do you think, Johnny? Do you think we cut this one off and we'll just merge these episodes together and we're good for good to go? Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a good one. Um, All right. Guys. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's always fun, Johnny. And, and everybody out there, keep those uh, keep those questions coming um, because we love answering them and I and, uh, hope you enjoy them as much as we do. It gives us thinking and gives us ideas and 
we'll be sure to uh, to feature some of those uh, those good questions on the next installment of the tenth. You take care.